We are celebrating Mother's Day together, and I didn't get a chance to introduce you. For those who are new, this is my beautiful and gorgeous bride of 29 years. My bride right here. We were, yep, we were 11 and 9 when we got married, and that's uh, so how they do things in Canada. You know, looking back at our decisions, <laughs> we acted like we looked and like nine. we, and we kind of looked like it a little bit too. So we're actually 19 um, and 18. 19 and 18, we got married, but 29 years this past March. And uh, I asked her to come and be a part of today just because um, we are talking, yes, Mother's Day, but we, we wanted to come at this today with an understanding of just how God has blessed us in terms of cr the creation of women. Um, and so we want to talk about the idea of biblical womanhood, okay? Biblical womanhood and what the scriptures talk about when it comes to women, all women. And so I put this, uh, this together for us to kind of kick us off. I really do believe womanhood, biblical womanhood, is, a, is kind of a motherhood by virtue of her divine calling, right? And it doesn't matter whether that's biological kids, uh, adopted kids, fostered kids, spiritual children. There is something absolutely unique when God, and we're going to talk about it today, when God created women to gift them with this, this intrinsic virtue to care and to love and to really shape the lives of the people around her. All right? And that happens throughout your whole life. It's not just when you yourself have maybe biological children. It's, it's across the board uh, and the opportunities that you have. And it is a divine calling. I really do believe it is a divine calling. It's why Eve is called the mother of all. And she was named that before she was a mother. Right? So that's, that, that's an understanding. Um, and I asked Tracy to come because women are really hard to understand, especially for us men. So I asked Tracy to come and explain the mystery of women to us. So there we go. That is not what we talked about. That is about. what... <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> no, what I want to do before we launch into this is I do want to set up a couple of cultural extremes so that you understand where we're actually headed and what we are avoiding. So um, in, in our society, in modern Western society, we have um, extreme views of women's um, femininity and roles and giftings. And so I want to talk about two extremes. Um, real quickly, um, there is one feminist extreme that is um, that that has produced some great things for women that a lot of us take advantage of in this culture. We get to have an education, we get to vote, we get to own uh, property and run businesses and and get into politics. Women today, we have been given opportunities because of a fight, a feminist um, uh, movement that put women at the forefront to give us opportunities and, and to see and recognize our value and contributions. Okay, but with that has come a, a tendency to put us women at the top and make everything about us and for us. And with that, we want control and we want mm. to, you know, we want to be kind of masters of our own world and future and and i say we collectively and i mean in a human nature sense um I, it's it's our part of our nature and this is what we read about in genesis that we're going to struggle with wanting to to rule over things and control yeah. things so what has been a movement that has brought great things also brings a struggle for where when is it enough where do we stop? When do we say, okay, this is, this is no longer a 
for the betterment of women, but this is now all about self, all about autonomy. Um, so there's one extreme that we, we see in our culture. Um, there's another extreme that you might see in different um, societies, different maybe eras, um, which is a super uh, traditional bent, which is um, very restrictive and limiting to women. It puts them strictly in the home raising children and it doesn't give them opportunities that a lot of us experience and take advantage of today. Um, and we still do see that in some uh, Middle Eastern cultures especially. So it's not that it's gone, but it is less prevalent yeah. in modern societies. And yet, if you fall into the wrong religious you know, group, you may find yourself sitting in a very traditional place and feeling left out, feeling um, devalued and, and limited because it's not a traditional thing for, it, it doesn't fit within that confine of traditionalism. So these are two extremes. I just wanted to paint them because we're not trying to encourage women or to promote a balance between the two. We're actually wanting to bring scripture and say there is a third and better way altogether. Yeah, and like you said, they tend to be, they tend to, it's not even like there's not good things in both thing, both mm -hmm. camps, but the progressive feminism kind of is one extreme mm -hmm. and traditional is kind of one extreme and it, it is true it's it can be well I'm, I'm going to take us back to what she said i'm going to take us back to genesis this is where we're going to start today and by the way the scripture card in your uh in your seat in front of you the scripture card that we uh, have is going to be important today because we have a new reading plan starting on the you version bible app but uh, what we did today is we just decided to give you the one we're going to read together in a little bit that's proverbs 31 um, and then there's some additional scriptures just for you moms, just for you ladies. There's some additional scriptures just to encourage you. I encourage you to take that with you and look up those scriptures this week um, and, and be encouraged by them. But I do want to take us right now as we're looking at this uh, kind of dynamic of what does this look like, this other option, if you will, versus those extremes and how God kind of recorded for us and, and, and designed us. Uh, I'm going to go to Genesis 2. And this is the, after the description of the creation, this is the description specifically of men and women. Um, so in Genesis 2, verse 5, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. You skip down to verse 18, it then says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground of all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right. For him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. It says, at last, the man exclaimed, uh, this one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And then as Moses is recording this, he, he puts in there that this explains 
why a man leaves his father and a mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one, or into one. And now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And I, we love that verse. We, should, we have that verse uh, across the I, door I'm of our house. I'm laughing that you left that one in there. I left that one in yeah. there because it's our favorite verse. He, he loves um, that verse. He does. <laughs> but we're not preaching on that verse today, okay? We're not preaching on that verse. I am looking at, uh, you know, when it comes to, she talked about it before, depending on where you live, depending on your culture, depending on your social culture, depending on traditions and sometimes even religions, you know, this idea of what God created in terms of men and women sometimes gets filtered through a lens of roles and power structures that we've had throughout generations. Um, and it, it almost kind of makes it seem like when you see that word helper, um, it almost kind of seems like God had to, to make like a maid for, for Adam. Like that's, that's kind of the idea. Like he was running around the garden. He was causing a mess. He was leaving his underwear everywhere. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those things like I need, he needs a helper. He, this guy's going to lose it. Okay. So that's sometimes, honestly, in terms of cultures, we need somebody to raise the kids and take a cleanup after him. Well, the reality is, is that when we, we looked at a study years ago that really brought some really amazing insight, if you will, to the word uh, this helper, this helper that's just right. And I want you to see some of the translations um, that I gave you is that the NLT, which we just read, did read helper, and there was a just right there um, that has to do with the, the way the Hebrew word uh, connects. The KJV actually says a help meet, okay, the help meet. The ESV um, says a helper suitable, all right? There's a, there's a, there's a strong part of the word there. And actually, Young's Living Translation um, is a counterpart. It actually says uh, God needed to create a counterpart. Um, and so, again, years ago, we, we looked at a study that really kind of broke open the, word, the Hebrew words um, that kind of centered around this idea, and the Hebrew word is azer konegdo, all right? Azer konegdo, and it means just so much more. Yeah, um, so as we look at these, this this forming of Adam and Eve, here, what we have to understand is um, God created them both to bear his image, mm. to reflect his glory. Um, so we don't want to pull out anything that says that they, there's one more, than, one more important than the other. And I think that that's where these extremes sometimes take us, where the male um, may be more important than the female. Or in, to, in the progressive extreme, the female almost elevated to a greater place of importance. But according to Scripture, that is not at all what we read. What we read is that they were both um, created equal but different. And different being a good thing yep. in a powerful, helpful way. And so this Ezer Konegdo, these were the Hebrew words. And what these mean, if you really dive into the language of it, would be more of a, an essential counterpart if you will. It would be more of this indispensable companion, this person of corresponding strength. How would you like to view yourself like that in terms of I am his corresponding strength? That's, that's not demeaning to me. And, and I want us to kind of talk about this because I, I love that we are given a word, azer, which is actually a warrior type mm -hmm. word. 
this um, azer is actually used to describe God in certain passages, that he is our azer, he's our warrior, our ally. He is for us, and he brings his power and strength to bear for our benefit and help. So when we talk about the women, this, this um, helpmate or helpmeet and this suitable helper, she is an azer which is a warrior, a helper that is indispensable in her companionship. So that's why we want to dive into this better way. This is not a seeking a balance of two extremes that we see in different cultures, but this is what is the way that God designed? What did he indicate when he, uh, when he had Moses write these words down and describe how valuable she is to him? So what we're going to do is I want to give you an example of who I think would be an Ezer Kenegdo. Um, this is from Proverbs 31. This is a passage that for many women is sometimes in, uh, intimidating. Sometimes it's discouraging because we look at this and we say, I can't be all of these things. Who can? And it's, it's good to remember that this is... Um, some, we can view this as these are elements of a woman's life at different stages. We can view this as elements of women in a community that do different things and contribute in different ways, but it's all for the betterment of the people around her. So let's read this passage, and then we're going to unpack it. Yeah, this is the one piece. we're going to read along. So if you have your own, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the, the back uh, by the doors. Uh, that's a free gift to you, but we're going to read along and read out loud. We're going to Start in verse 10 um, and read through the end, but um, I'm going to have Tracy read out of the NIV, and then we're going to kind of break down kind of this big picture here. So, Okay, let's, let's read. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gates, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 
Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Yeah, I, I, I told Tracy we were going to break up just kind of walking through this big picture. Um, but if you don't know, we skipped over the first part, but in the very beginning, this psalm uh, is identified that King Lemuel, uh, this is information that his mom gave him. Okay, so this is coming down from King Lemuel, what he's learned from his mom. And it's really, if you just only read the beginning, it's a little discouraging because she basically says, hey, don't waste time with women right? Like it's one of those, like, don't spend any energy on women. Matter of fact, she says they're the ruin of kings. And so, um, but then they give, she gives some other advice about don't be drunk with wine and, you know, do, do justly the right things. And there's a lots of good little advice in there. Um, and then when he gets to this beginning where we started to read, like, you know, who can find this woman? And as she, as he continues to describe what she described in terms of who can find this, this virtuous and capable woman. But as you read those first couple verses, and that's what I wanted to point out, was that they really do have everything to do with who she is, um, not what she does. So, so in terms of, of how we're going to read this, understand what starts, what comes first is her character. It, what comes first is who she is, not, not, not her, her, what she's able to accomplish, or she's able to do for him or for, you know, for, it's, it's not there. It's all about virtue. It's about the behavior. It's about, are you a capable person? Are you, you know, this precious and trustworthiness is, can you be trusted? You know, um, I, I think about sometimes like, you know, the, the gossip that oftentimes is associated, men gossip too, but is associated with women in terms of like kind of talking behind others' backs and doing these things. And, 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 and here's this beautiful picture of like, you know, it's really, it's really better to kind of keep your mouth closed, stay out of people's business, and do those things versus kind of being a busybody because it really does speak to your character more than anything. And so his, I just wait, I love the way it starts. It's like when you talk about this virtuous, capable, noble woman, it has everything to do with who she is. Not before even gets to the things she she does. It's who is she. She is capable, precious, trustworthy. She brings life. Is life better because of her? And I sometimes say that in premarital counseling. You know, we'll, I'll talk with folks, and I'm like, you know, the goal here is, is, a, is a life-giving marriage, not a life-sucking uh, marriage. You know, that's, that's the goal. The goal is that if you, if you are both striving to follow after God, it's going to bring life. The Holy Spirit through you is going to bring life to each other, especially if you understand this is their connecto, part of the strength that is in women just inherent. It's just an intrinsic value to bring to the table this relational strength, warrior strength. Uh, sometimes I tell, you know, uh, if, uh, was it Ephesians 5 where it talks about mutual submission and, and it's like, you know, the woman is to submit to her husband and I'm like, that's not like a doormat. Like even the language in the Greek, that's not doormat. That's strength surrendered. That is the idea of strength that, that, that is incredible strength, choosing to be surrendered um, to because of character and because of wanting to bring life to this relationship. And even as you said earlier, I love, um, what's that thing that we, we always heard, like e created equal in value and worth, uh, but different in role and function, right? Men and women were created equal in value and worth and different in role and function. And this is where I look at it and go, wow, what a great picture of character starting off 
the description. And I don't know what he was talking about because he's like, hey, who can find this woman? I found this woman. This is the woman that I found virtuous, capable, precious, trustworthy, enriching, and life-giving to me for 29 years. Love you, baby. Thank you. Love yeah. you, too. Um, so, again, this is what culture comes against, though, does it not? Does it not um, argue that um, there shouldn't be a difference or appreciation mm. for what makes women unique and, and the strength that she has and that she brings into her relationships? Because we want to talk about this in terms of not just motherhood, although it's mm -hmm. a very easy application to, to look at these and see ourselves in that stage or role of motherhood to see all of these things that she's about to do that we're going to talk about, but to also remember that this is part of our strength and gifting that we bring to all of our relationships, whether it's our, you know, co-workers or um, our neighbors or spiritual children. I can't tell you how many older ladies that have spoken into my life and, and given me words yeah. of wisdom and life and encouragement and, and that's like a mother to me. That's like being a spiritual mother because they remind me that, that the, there's a bigger picture mm. and that there's, there is good when I get lost in the weeds and I get tired because we all do. We all sometimes just feel like, is anything making a difference? So I want to encourage all of the women that are maybe not even in a, a stage of parenting right now, this still very much speaks to the way that you can nurture and mother others in a, a good, healthy way. But let's keep going. Let's look at the next section of verses in 13 through 22. This is where the she does. This is where we do see some of the things and the activities and the work and the effort that she's bringing it says that she sets about her work vigorously. She's getting up. Um, she's staying up late. She's getting up early. She's, you know, buying a field, plants it, and then she gets a profit. She works hard. And you know what? We can, I think we lose some of the richness of this because in this culture, some of this doesn't really resonate. Um, but if you are... If you think about what it takes to do these things and translate it to our modern activities, you can start to see some strong parallels. I know lots of women who, um, while they're raising their kids, it's very important for them to stay home. So they find ways to add to their income by like selling things online and creating a business or or being a consultant for a company. They find ways to make things work so that they can do what they believe in that stage is most important, which yeah. for them might be staying at home and raising their kids. But that doesn't mean that if you work outside of the home that you are, you are not using those giftings or honoring uh, your family and God. I mean, these, this is, we're going to get to the end, which is where the ultimate focus is that determines and sets all of those things apart. But still, as we look at it, she's doing monumental things, and she opens her arms to the poor. She is extending a hand. How many of you ladies have done a meal train and cooked for your own family in the same night? I mean, oh, come on. Yeah. Not ladies, yeah, correct. Ladies. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is, you've got to start looking at the modern things that we do 
in what mm. is in many ways natural, but we don't often recognize that, okay, this is the way God designed me. This is a capacity that he's given me, and I'm using it to come along and support others in my life and to encourage them and ally with them for something that I know is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's keep reading. She is prepared. She has no fear for her household. She's got her eyes on everything happening. And I didn't get to say this in the first service, but I really want to encourage the moms who who have a unique challenge in raising special needs kids. I mean, your work is extraordinary. And you have been given um, some challenges, but every, every time I meet a mom, you've risen to that challenge. You've kept the eye on your household and mm-hmm. the affairs. You've kept an eye on your child and what their needs are. And if their needs are not getting met, guess who's going to bat for them? It's usually mom. You know, I'm there. There is something very real and true about the mama bear, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, mentality. Because when people come and maybe are not taking our kids' needs seriously or diminishing them or whatever, let me tell you what: we can become fierce really fast. And I think that that is a. I think that's a good thing when used for our children. Mm. For their protection and for their betterment. So I just want to I just want to kind of commend moms who have that extraordinary um, gifting and challenge before them because I know that that God is with you and empowering mm-hmm. you to do what only you can do. Um, so I just wanted to kind of say that to encourage you, ladies. Um, so as we continue on. We, we see a transition, though. We see a transition from what she's doing, all of these things that she does, maximizing her abilities, her experience, her gift, her talents. She's coming along people in her life, and she's acting very much. This is Air Connecto is very much an image of a, a flying buttress. If you've ever seen those Gothic structures and those cathedrals in Europe where the, they're these big, beautiful... Um, churches and cathedrals, and they have these arches on the outside that come around them, and they act as a support or a counter support. That mm. is what, that's kind of like an imagery for what we're talking about. This woman, these women, you ladies, we all come around people and offer an essential, essential support and counterbalance to what is needed to those in the uh, around us and what's needed in their lives. And for the husband, what does he receive? He gets from her honor, respect, and support. She doesn't go to work and, and join in with her coworkers and dog him and talk about what a you know no good husband he is. He's on the games all night and blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't mow the yard or whatever. I'm sure there's probably more serious examples, but mm-hmm. to keep it light. Um, she doesn't engage in things that dishonors him, but she... She respects him, and and her respect is not dependent on whether it is deserved or earned. Mm. It's 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 a matter of, you know, I respect um, our marriage and our covenant. And yes, there may be room for growth, but we all have room for growth. Amen. And so there's a respect for him that he is not um, 
diminished or demeaned behind his back because um, ultimately she sees um, the value in who he is mm. and, um, and how he contributes and leads. The next transition of verses is, uh, and the reason I, I told her to say, hey, I want to talk about this is because this, we describe this section as the things that she displays. Um, and so oftentimes, what, you know, again, not what she's doing, but what she, what, what's actually, what's being communicated, what, what's being displayed. I, I told Tracy sometimes, you know, she, sometimes you, you can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Like you get so detail oriented, you get so locked in on the, on what you're doing that sometimes you can't see, um, kind of the bigger picture and the, and the way in which, uh, she is being displayed. And so a lot of these verses, uh, come out where it shows that she display her strength. Um, she's displaying dignity, peace, wisdom, kindness, stewardship, and vigor. It's the idea that when she doesn't have fear of the future, because not because she denies it, not because she's living in ignorance, but because she knows who to trust her future with. You know, she knows who to put her trust in her future with, so she doesn't, and she's planned and prepared. So there is an aspect of that that, that allows her to, to not allow that. And I, I think we're living in an, anxi- uh, an epidemic of anxiety among women, uh, especially in our current culture, because what can happen is that busyness, you know, because it says, you know, she doesn't suffer from laziness. It's true, but, but the busyness of life can act as a mask right? Because we're not trying to, it's not because you're stewarding your life well, it's because you're trying to control it, right? It's because there's this this thing in us to try to control what happens in our household. It says she watches over her household, right? Not that she she can't control her household, but she watches over her household because she is a steward of the house that she's been given. You're steward of the lives that you've been given to care for and to help shape and mold. And so I look at this and just go, you know, we want to be really, really careful as, as, as children of God in terms of especially as biblical womanhood that, that you're not living up into this cultural anxiety um, because we're trying to control everything, but that we have, we have a peace, right? There's a peace and a wisdom and a kindness. You know, I love that it goes on to talk about her, are her words wise and kind. Um, I think that has a lot to do with social media today. You know, don't, don't, there's something about this screen that we that we kind of disconnect what we say uh, and publicly to people that we might not ever say verbally, and so I'm I'm just like you guys got to be careful about that. I mean everybody needs to be careful about that, not just women, but we got to be careful about our words and are they, are they wise? Is it expressing wisdom? Is it displaying um, those things? Um, Can I share one more example sure. real quick. Um, faithful instruction um, when yeah. you are parenting. Um, I have found this extremely challenging because especially if we're, a lot of times we we do have to talk to our kids about struggles and conflict. And I find myself, I find myself tempted when I hear my daughter's story of so-and-so did this, so-and-so said that. My temptation is, well, you just tell him, you know, and then just give her some zingers because my my mama bear comes out and that's me responding in the flesh. That's me wanting to control. That's me wanting to protect and keep her from being hurt or left out or offended. But faithful instruction tells me to choose a different approach, 
to maybe give um, give some grace and understand what may have been left out of the story. You know, there's two sides of every story. To give grace for what a child might be struggling with and that many times their behavior is a reflection of where they are. Mm -hmm. And to teach my child to show mercy and grace and, and humility um, without being a doormat. Yeah. And y'all, it's hard. It's been, it's been a hard year. We've had to have some really difficult conversations and navigate some things. But my, my goal is teaching her the right way. Mm -hmm. And it's not always the first gut response. And it's certainly not the easy not way. Not the easy way, right. And, you know, he re it goes on to talk about what he receives, but she... I love the fact that he also says, and here's what she receives, right? You know, she receives honor and blessing and praise. She, you know, I miss the days where, where guys would stand up when a woman came in the room, you know, and, and open doors or pull back chairs. Like that was, a, that was a, a, a visualization of honor. So even when it says they rise up, that, you know, they're going to honor her, again, not just for what she does, it's because of who she is and what she does and what she displays as she follows Christ. And the blessing, I just wanted to say these, these couple things. Children bless her because, of, because they know that who they are is because of her, right? They know that who, who they are is, is been shaped and molded by this mom. And, and, and I think sometimes, again, I think sometimes, uh, you, you know, mothers struggle because they don't get that when the kids are young. You don't get the constant, you know, thank you, mom, for, for the discipline. You know, um, and when they're teenagers and teenagers, you don't get any of that at all, right? And sometimes you got to wait a little bit longer, and sometimes you'll get little glimpses of it. But the reality is, is that and I think this is why we said this. This kind of covers all the seasons, if you will. They rise up and call you blessed because at the end of the day, your children will know. They will know that you had a massive influence on their life. Both of us are very thankful for our moms, who who we are a lot of who we are because of how our moms modeled and shaped. Uh, us. Um, and, then, and then, I love this, because the husband praises her, okay? The husband praises her. Why? Because understanding this is Eric Conegdo, a biblical husband, a biblical uh, man, will, uh, will see biblical woman and understand that she is the special sauce, guys. Like, she is the linchpin, and she is the not-so-secret ingredient to completing you, Right, because that's that is how God made us. It's not just a Jerry Maguire reference. Like it's a it's a, it's an actual thing. It's not just a movie reference. You complete me, and so there's this there's this beautiful picture where the kids bless her for this reason. The husband uh, um, uh, honors her and praises her because she is that. Right, because they are one. Matter of fact, we were we were driving the other day in the car, and she said. Um, uh, you were complaining. I was complaining. About... Okay, okay. I was complaining because we were running behind. Okay, and that tends to be a tendency for us. Okay, that was we were running behind, and then she just happened to say it out loud in the car. She just said, "Yeah." She said, I, you know, "We were texting. I think our friends we were like, hey, we're running a little behind. We're going to be a little bit late again.'" And uh, and uh, and said something about, "Yeah, we're just always late." And I just said, "Oh, we're always late." You know. And she looked at me dead in the face and said, we are one. That's what she said. She turned it right around on me. She said, we are one. And I'd, I was just like, you know what? Truth to that. We are usually late. So yes, as one. Uh, hey, let me just real quick say this. 
when it says that um, when it says that there's virtuous and capable women out there, but you surpass them all, okay. I just want you to hear this from, from a husband and a dad standpoint, from on behalf of my kids, and especially for you moms today. Please accept that from your children and from your husband today. You know, listen, they rise up and bless you and, and, and thank you today because you are the best mom to them. You understand? You, you are the best mom to them. You are the one who completes this family. You are the one who influences them. You know, you are the best partner in life as your husband shares that to you. Don't allow your insecurities because you compare yourself to all the other moms out there. Don't allow the enemy to whisper it in your, in your ear that you're not doing enough and you're not enough. Listen, that's one of the reasons I think this is that, hey, there's, there are virtuous and capable women out there. I believe a lot of them are here at Journey Church. But when I look at my wife and my kids look at my wife, she is the best mom ever and she surpasses them all. And I want her to be able to receive that without letting the enemy you know, mess with her and, and, and any insecurities come up. Uh, just receive that today. Let it be a blessing to you today on this day. So, Let it. I will try. Okay. <laughs> Moms, it's hard. It is hard because we, we do often struggle because what goes in the back of our mind is, yeah, but I just I screwed up just last week. You remember that thing and that time when I said I or I failed? You know, we do tend to keep that record in our minds of our own failures. And, and so it is, it's good encouragement for us to, again, see the big picture um, uh, in terms of not getting lost in the weeds of things that we have done wrong because there's, his mercies are new every morning, right, ladies? Amen. His mercies are new every morning, yep. and so we get uh, always get a new chance and a fresh start. <laughs> and um, with by His grace, we we do we do improve and get it right. Um, as we pivot, though, let's look at the last part. Proverbs thirty one thirty um, is where they shift to to the external things. It's it's um, charm. Charm and beauty and the things that our culture still promotes and tells us that this is what is more important. This is what is the goal. These are the wins to have this or to look like that or to whatever it is. And it's all superficial. It's all fleeting. I said this in the first service. We've got to remember we are actually aliens and strangers here. Are we not? If we're followers of Christ, our destination is not here. We have an eternal destination that we're looking towards. And so we, we need to remember that we, we can not get caught up in those trappings yeah. of the next shiny thing or the next trend. But um, we, we, we read, charm is deceptive, beauty is fading, but the woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. And that is where everything is different. That's where we find our third and better way. And it's all hinging on her fear of the Lord. We sing about firm foundation in this, you know, in this early service, the, the music and everything. We've, we've, we've sang these songs that speak to a foundation or an underlying belief in in Christ and who he is and who we are because of him when she fears the Lord that is her understanding that this is not about me this is not about 
her or women collectively. We're put on this earth to reflect him. And we do so in a way very different than men. Mm -hmm. We do so with a strength that is very different than men. Men are strong, no question. And sometimes that is used to um, abuse and, and to uh, subject women. That is, a, that is a distortion and it's evil. But we have a different kind of strength. And our strength is, is very uh, relational and, and it's hard to even articulate. But you know it and you have experienced it and you have given it, I am certain, in your relationships and your friendships. So this woman who fears the Lord her focus is not on superficial things. It's on him and things above. The woman who fears the Lord knows and reveres God as sovereign and in control of all things, not herself. Yeah. And again, cultural tendencies is towards, I got to control, I got to control. I want this. I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. But the woman who fears the Lord says, no. God's in control, and he'll give me what I need, and he'll give me what's good for me, because sometimes I don't ask for things that are good for me, but God knows best, mm. so she rests in that. A woman who fears the Lord receives her identity, her worth, and her value from him, not herself. She doesn't have to stir up and, and constantly remind herself of, of those empowering things just for herself and in and of herself. It's all based on him. It's given by him. And that is far, far better than what we can do or conjure up for ourselves. And then the woman who fears the Lord, she gets her strength and her wisdom and her heart to come around and support those people in her lives, like those flying buttresses, like those, those critical pieces of infrastructure that help hold others up. That's not a bad thing, okay? We've got to stop looking at our support of others and holding them up as a bad thing because we want to be the ones supported. We do that for each other, too. But this image of being that essential counterpart is the way we were designed, and that's how we glorify God by demonstrating his, um, his image and who he is, his glory, by doing the way, living and doing what he has created us to do. Yeah, we were talking in the last series about, you know, we were talking about deconstruction, we were talking about this, this cultural looking within for truth. Right, looking within, how I think is who I am, how I feel is who I am, and and I and I think that's if I could just punch one thing home, even just to echo what she said is that, you know, this this idea of biblical womanhood does not matter where you are in your in your season. You could be you could be someone that's not you're not you're not married yet. You could be married, but you don't have children yet. You could be deep in the throes of kids, young kids and older kids. You could be empty nesters. It doesn't matter. This I, this calling that you have as, as women of God, that, that everything you need for the season you're in comes from him. It comes from him. It is not from within. Um, and, that's the, and if we could just punch that home just to continually remind us, I think about the psalmist when he says, uh, Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I, ha I lack nothing, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I shall not want. 
that is the picture that I have that I want mothers and all of God's, you know, all the women of God to have in their mind that, that every time the enemy and the culture and the world wants to kind of put that insecurity in you, that you don't have what it takes, you know, there's, there's women out there struggling to think about having children because they're just not sure what kind of a mom they're going to be. And I'm just telling you that God is going to give you what you need because it's supposed to come from him. All of this is supposed to come from him, not from within you. And I asked Tracy to read our last passage today and kind of give a prayer over moms, uh, regardless of what season you're in, the challenge that we need in terms of women encouraging women in this understanding of the Azar Konegdo um, strength. Yeah, this passage comes from Titus. Um, he says, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. So he's, Paul's talking to a pastor just saying, hey, this is what you teach to the different groups. For the older women, teach them to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. That's, like, that's a New Testament version of what we just read. Yeah, absolutely. Of what we just read in terms of Proverbs 31. Yeah. And ladies, those of you who are past that um, role and stage in life of, of raising children, again, I cannot underscore enough your value and how much we need you to speak yeah. into our lives, to continue to point us to trusting God, to leaning in on him, and to allow him to guide us and give us the wisdom that we need, the strength that we need every morning, encouraging us, get on our knees and pray, because honestly, that's, there's, I, I have to have my prayer every morning, or I am a very unkind person, and it's just a, a, a total, me being transparent, I have to start my day orienting my heart and my mind towards him, because if I do it on my own, I will fail. And older ladies that model this for us, that encourage me in that, and that remind me that, yes, you're in a hard season, but you're going to get through it. Mm. You will get through it. You are going to be fine. I already see the, the uh, harvest coming. I see the results and the, of the work that you've done, the seeds that you've sown. I see it, Tracy. I see it, all you moms. Mm -hmm. It's coming. We need all of you to speak these words of life into us and to remind us that, that God has a plan, and he is with us, and he is working it out even when we don't see it or feel it. Yeah. Yep. So I just want to pray. I want to pray for each and every woman here today um, and just pray for God's blessings and encouragement of your spirit, just that you see yourselves um, with this inherent strength that he has created you in your relationships, whether you're a mom or whether you're, whether you're um, waiting to be a mom or whether you are past that stage and you are watching everyone and you are maybe looking for your place in, in ministry and impact. This is your place. Mm -hmm. We need you and your strength and your encouragement, and we need you to ally with us. So let's pray, and, um, and we'll end our day. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each and every um, woman here today and listening um, online, God. I pray that their hearts are encouraged to see that we bear your image in such a unique and glorious way, God. And, 
And those strengths and capacities can be corrupted. They can be abused and redirected. But God, you have given us a clear direction for those strengths and these relational um, attributes that are so strong within us. God, help us to see this and to cherish it and to not deny it or fight back against it because it's not popular in culture or it's not um, leading us to a place of, um, to an end point that we think we should be aiming for. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. Our our purpose and our identity and our value and our worth is all tied into who you are and you made us to be. And we're grateful because you, you said we are, we are, carrying your image we're bearing your image and and you said when you finished that it was very good you said that about no other part of creation but Mm. when you created man and woman you said it is very Mm. good help us to see ourselves through your eyes god help us to see our value and our worth based on who you are and who who you've created us to be not in what the world tells us or tries to direct us to be god Lord, I pray for every woman here who is a mom who may be tired and, and just weary. Lord, give her your strength. Give her your encouragement that she um, is sowing seeds that will produce a harvest. Help her not to give up when she's weary because we know if we don't give up, there will be a harvest. Mm. Lord, I pray for every woman waiting to be a mom, Lord, that you would just encourage her heart and help her to trust you and wait on you to mm. be still and know that you are God and you know best for her at this point in her life, God. And I pray for those who mourn and and who have lost mothers or who have lost children, God, you are the God of all comfort, Lord. I pray for peace and comfort over these hearts and minds. I pray for healing because only through you can we turn our mourning into dancing. So, God, we trust you to do that in our hearts and lives. And, Lord, for the mothers who have um, empty nests and who are... um, hoping and desiring to pour these gifts into others' lives, Lord. Encourage them with the women around them, how they can sow into their hearts spiritually and encourage them and mother them, in a sense, um, as a spiritual mentor and encourager, Lord. You've just gifted women with so many things. Help us to embrace it and to just live it out to the fullest um, because of who you are and you are worthy and we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Mm. Amen. Amen.